Welcome to the Media Mavens podcast, where you'll hear the most compelling, provocative, and real conversations with industry leaders and innovators in tech, sports, and entertainment with our host and CEO of well-known PR firm, Axis Entertainment, Sarah Miller. Hi, this is Sarah Miller, Madre de Hay with Media Mavens podcast. We're super excited, Super Bowl week to be here with VP Corporate Communications of NFLPA, Carl Francis. Hi, Carl, and welcome back to the show. Hello, Sarah. Pleasure to be back. Uh, Glad to be on. Thank you for inviting me again to your show. I love it. Thank you. We have a little football game coming up. Can't figure out what we're talking about, Brian. I love it because I was literally just talking to Marjorie about my Spartan race, and one of the obstacles is the length of a football field. So I'm not sure if that's punishment or if that's supposed to be a good thing. But, you know, we're all about football right now. Rams, we're in L.A. I'm super excited. You guys are back out here. But, like, what's going on with this football game? I mean, I know we talked about this, too, like the other week. Like, NFL had this three-week rule where you could pull it if you need to, and there's so much controversial. Why would we keep it in L.A.? We should have put it with the Raiders in Vegas, more space, COVID. And like you, your whole thing is keep the players and the team safe. I mean, are you happy that we're doing this in LA in our own backyard? Or were you an advocate to pull the team with the rest of the sports industry? I mean, for the players, they just want a place where that everybody is trying to create the safest playing atmosphere in the country. I don't think it was a preference. I mean, LA is not a bad area, obviously, with the weather, with the city, but more importantly, it's the safety. I mean, you know, everybody is really focused on ensuring that they have the proper atmosphere to protect everybody because people are, you know, even though there's a football game being played, I think people want to protect their families. They want a good environment. They want people to enjoy themselves and they want fans to have a good time. So, you know, they really don't care where it's played because it, it moves every year anyway. But I think that LA does present a different year and a different atmosphere because it is L.A. And it hasn't been in L.A. In a, in a very long time. I mean, in a, at least that I can remember. And for it being here, it's unfortunate that we're in these days and times of COVID and everything. But for a city, I think it, Los Angeles has a lot to offer. I think you have the Rams playing in the game. Is just that you could not get any better than, than that combination. It's just sort of the first, the, them being here and them winning. Well, and, and, our, and, our, and the stadium's yeah. brand new. We have SoFi. We just brought the Rams to the market. Like, right. It's going to be a tight game against the Bengals. No, it's going to be a real good game. But see, that's what Super Bowls are about. You want to see underdogs win. You want to see someone new. You want to see excitement. You just want to, the thing that you hope for is good games. You don't want to see blowouts. You you want it to come down to the wire because it's the Super Bowl. Like, you don't want a game to be blown out in the first and second quarter. Then all of a sudden you wait for the halftime show. And once that's over, everybody just turns the volume down and start eating and having a good time at partying at the Super Bowl parties, right? You want everybody to be, like, talking but looking at the TV at the same time. Like, wait a minute, wait a minute. Let me see what's next. Whoa, whoa. Touchdown, everybody. You, know, you want that excitement. You want that energy. And so I think that this week's, next week's game will will present that. Well, I think the players, too, I mean, they're on lockdown for so long. And I know we've had yeah. a lot of NFL conversations that since COVID, you yeah. know, mentally, they need to get out there. They want to play again. They've got to stay sharp. And I feel like, you know, I think we talked about this on our last podcast with you. It's not so much the game, but it's that fan-based engagement that fuels them. 
you know, as a team as well. Like we talked about mentally, can you be as good playing in front of an empty stadium or just that energy just when everybody's engaged with you? Is there such oh, a- no. Look, it's self-explanatory that fans drive energy. Yeah. I mean, the, the maniacal, exciting, over-exuberant fan base is what drives the team and say, we're in this together. And the players need that. I mean, obviously, they did what they needed to do last year to get through the season and just give, just have a season under their belt. But this year just was totally different. I mean, players feed off of that adrenaline, which yeah. everyone, it's, it's, it's a natural connection between that energy and thousands of people screaming in your ear, celebrating you. And I think having that back this year was really, really good for our league. Excellent. Let's talk a little bit about players because I'm a Boston girl, obviously Patriot fan, Tom Brady retiring right before the Super Bowl. So that's obviously huge news, but you deal with a lot of players and I know that the NFL has been really proactive, especially in the past probably 10, 20 years about really what's the next step for players? Really, how do you manage your money? How do you really become after you've played this game for so long? What are your next steps? So to, can you tell us a little bit about how you've been working with players really to create that career arch for them? Well, we have this new campaign that we're going to roll out here shortly called Athlete And. We've had this program in the past two or three years where we've had externships for players. We'd have different financial education programming. We had continuing education. And I think it's to continue to build the player and provide him with resources to align his career along with his long-term programs, long-term success. As you know, and we all know, no one escapes father time. It's inevitable that you will leave this game, whether you're a long-term player or you're a short-term player. But we never want our players never to leave the game without the tools to be successful, even though there's going to be an adjustment, but not that just come out not having anything to, to work on. And so for us, this athlete and campaign is going to talk about every aspect of a player's journey while he's playing and at when he leaves the game. So Athlete Ann simply states, I'm an athlete and I am a businessman. I'm an athlete and I'm a teacher. I'm an athlete and I am a thinker. Like it's those sort of elements that we're going to launch shortly just to show and, and give people an idea that, you know, I'm just not a football player. I'm, I'm a human being. I, I we got a lot of players that, that have gone back to law school, gotten their law degrees, and now they're agents. Now they work for major corporations. We have players who are now president of NFL teams who played five or six years, who who have gone to some of the top NBA programs in the country. And we pay for it. Like the league and the PA pay for these programs. And also we have players that are like Myron Rowe, who's now a neurosurgeon. Uh, he played four or five years in the league. So those type of of programs and initiatives is what drives us, right? It drives us to continue to do the things that we're doing. Well, this is also because one of the goals that you guys have always had with NFLPA is not just making sure they get through their contracts, but it's giving them the skill set beyond the field. And a lot of them do struggle. They're making money. They're living that high life. But then as soon as the team's over, the game's over, or they get injured, they're just out spending the money, but the sustainability. And I know you guys have a lot of amazing programs. And I know when we talked about this financial, how to handle your finances, what is there beyond the field? And I know that was a big struggle during COVID with a lot of these guys. So a lot of them put, and I know, was this in New Orleans? We talked about this where these guys 
given the devastation of just human life and what was going on in communities, these players put up their own money to get back to the communities to rebuild during COVID. Remember this conversation we had? And yes. you were surprised at how the humanitarian efforts without coaching that they just on their own went out in the streets to help people. Yeah. I mean, listen, that's one of the things that, and I appreciate you bringing that up. Thank you so much because our players don't get enough credit for the things that they do in their communities. I mean, people act as if this was something they're supposed to do. In, in reality, no, it's not what they're supposed to do. It's something that they do because out of the generosity of their hearts and how they feel about their communities, whether it's the community they grew up in, the community uh, that's attached to their college uh, hometown and or the, the current community that they play in. And they know that, like we said earlier, a margin, I was talking about the fan interaction. You know, fans come up to them and they know that when these fans go home, all of them are facing different challenges. All of them are facing different adversities in their life. So they come to a game, spend their hard earned money to come chair for me. So the least I can do is reinvest my time and my money back into them. And that's really the trade off of being a professional. And if we can do that, it creates a better community for everybody. Because, you know, at some point, the player will become a part of that, what? Community. Yeah. <laughs> Once he finishes playing. And so with that, now the player becomes the fan, so to speak. So it is cyclical in terms of just what your obligation is when you become a person in that position that fans look up to and want their kids to idolize. And it's the little debt that you pay to giving back to your community that players really take a lot of pride in. Uh, when they had the floods in Houston, you got J.J. Watts raising over two, three million dollars purchasing boats and getting in the boat, not just writing a check, but getting in the boats to go get families, their family pets. I mean, anything that they can help, because the one thing they never wanted to do is say, listen, how can I, you know, this person, this this player that decides to play weekend and week out and I got these fans writing their last checks, right, their last payments to come see me play. And me be a part of this community. So, and that happens all around the country. We have so many amazing stories. You know, we'll be here all day talking about the things the players do in the community. And I love that the NFL has really done a focus. I think in the last five years, they've stopped with NFL news. Like they stopped like, oh, something bad happened with a player. And now they're like, hey, we're not going to broadcast that anymore. That's a TMZ story. That's, you know, we're going to focus on brand. We're going to focus on image. And I think that's right. a great thing because you're talking about people who, you know, are in the spotlight, but they work hard. I mean, to be a professional athlete, you are the top, you're elite, you're a hard worker. You've got to learn the playbook. You've got to do things. So, hey, you have a bad night, you have a bad night, but have it broadcast is ridiculous. So I love that they're like focusing on the, sorry, I love that they're focusing on the positive stories, just as you said. And you've been in this position for like 30 years. What are some of the highlight stories that you've had over your career that you can kind of share with us? You know what, Marge, you put me on the spot because you know what's so funny about that? First of all, I'm two years away from 30. I just okay, 28. Out. No, but, but no, what's funny about that, though, is the pandemic kind of threw me off mm -hmm. because I, because I uh, celebrated my 25th anniversary a couple of years ago. And then as someone asked me, I was filling out that application or something for some. And they said, how long you been? At? So I took off my calculator. Went, Wait a minute. It's 28 years. Oh, my God. I didn't know. It kind of jumped on me. But also, in addition to that, there are so many darn stories that I forget, you know. I mean, obviously, the COVID thing, working through this whole COVID, you know, scenario has been fascinating to me. 
right? Because it's a it's a world turning event for us. Like us will be in the history books for life. <laughs> you know what I mean? Think about that. It's like the turn of the century in it. We're in the middle of it. But obviously the COVID, I think 9-11 really was my first taste of, wow, just the impact that this league has on America and, and, and all of its fans, right? And I think that that was a moving point. Obviously, I'm trying to stay away from the working type of issues versus issues that impacted the world and how we all function as, as, as it's humanitarian issues. And that's what everybody remembers. And it's not, just what I was saying earlier when Marge was talking, it's not just NFL. We have the sports industry in general across the board. Nobody right. perfect. The news is going to pick up the good and the bad. They're going to twist it, you know, whatever gets the fans and whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, when we talked about the fan, and you've seen so much out there, you've lived and breathed football for almost 30 years now, and I love it. But what I love is that you're not about the league, the ticket sales and the teams. You're about the players, the human, the humanity, the narrative of the stories. And do you think that during COVID, because I know a lot from us, you know, we had a lot of NBA, NHL guys on the show. It was the whole, how do we keep the fans engaged when there's no games, nobody's doing anything. And do you think having the players be out in the community, connecting with the fans, with their own communities is what got the communities through to continue to be loyal fans, to stay on top of the teams until we got back in season again? Yeah, I think so. I, I do believe that what fans finally realized and players more importantly, that they had to get the fans to understand that we are you and, and you're us. Like there's no disconnect anymore. Like we're all shut down. We all can't go anywhere. We all have families. We have grandfathers. We had aunts. You know, people had family members get sick and, and go through different transitions and adversities, but we are real humans. Like we're being impacted too. It didn't matter. The thing that really came out of this pandemic was it did not, it wasn't prejudice. So whether you lived in a high level state community or whether you live in a, in a lower society, it didn't matter. It put everybody in the same bubble. Yeah. Right. And so any and everybody was impacted and was vulnerable to this, to this issue. And I think that that's where players actually made the connection to, to the fans and say, look, we're fighting this like you and we all want to get back to playing and we all want to help each other create the most safest environment we can. And I think that's where it all came about. And, and like there were a lot of different uh, COVID testing stations at, at different stadiums. Players really came out to encourage everybody to get tested. Players, you know, were wanted to get tested for their family members. A lot of the players had their, their grandparents living with them or the wife. And one of the things that's a misnomer in our business that we don't just represent the players. We represent players and their entire family. This is a community. It's not just the one person. We represent a player, his wife, his children, his mother, his father, because everybody feels a part of this nucleus of comfort being that we are one big family. And so when we you know, institute policies to protect the player, we're actually protecting the wife and the kids as well. It is. It's a bit of truth. It's like NFL is kind of like National Family League, not National Football. No, you know what? I like that. You know what? You just gave me something. That's a tag. I'm going to use it. I'm still. <laughs> you can have it. I'm going to give it to you. Thank you. Thank you. Hey, you know what? I'm I'm I'm, tech, I'm, t- I'm making a note of that right now. <laughs> well, because it, it's all about the family. It's all about teamwork makes the dream work. You at NFLPA are less about the revenues and ticket sales. 
You are National Family League. It's keeping it together for everyone, no matter who you are. And this is what I love about having you on the show and I'm hanging out with you because it's all about the communities beyond just an individual. But speaking about the National Family League, my new NFL, Super Bowl's in a week. Then I know draft is right on the heels of this and everything. How are you, is NFL helping to bring the players back into not post-COVID, but still a little bit, I don't know where we are with COVID, but, you know, bringing them back in to, okay, it's go time, it's game time, let's go. We've been tested, we've been boosted, we got all the safety security in place. Is everybody, like, mentally, let's go, let's go? Because, you know, what we talked about last week was the big resignation from the top-down CEOs of sports teams. Are we seeing a lot of these NFL guys, like, that quality of family is more important than the being on the road, the nucleus of the grind of the of the teams, the games, the politics. I mean, what we what are we doing? I'm say we, we're all about the family on the podcast. What are we doing to bring everybody back? Because we have draft in three months. Well first of all, you don't have to get the players motivated. They are already motivated. Yeah. They are excited. There's a game. There's fans in the building. There's excitement. You got a great halftime show. They're the hometown favorite and they're in a great city. And I don't think you need anything to bring everybody together. I think people are together. I think people are excited. We had some of the greatest conference championships game last week that were ever played. I mean, everybody played well. Everybody. I mean, all both games was down to like nail biters and everybody was on the edge of their seat. So that right there brought the anticipation. And I think the excitement of the Super Bowl, it raised it to a new level. So everybody's excited. I don't, I don't think anybody is really, I think COVID is, something that we're working through, but I don't think it's a barrier that you got to work over. Yeah. It's, it's so much excitement and everybody's ready and everybody's adjusted. I think we're just ready to go play football and have a great Sunday. Players are on fire with all of this right now, which I think is amazing. But like one of my questions was we have a good two-year gap on you being out of school, being out of sports. And, is you know, somewhere within the next 10, 15 years of recruiting, we're going to have a pretty big gap of, the athleticism and people's, the children, their mindset of tomorrow's players. Is NFL concerned about where is tomorrow's players when we've had a good two years of nobody playing, training in school, high school, college, even the little kids? No, I don't think so. I think that there are enough players. I think that year may have had a slight angle to it. And I know some players were still working out. Guys built home gyms, you know. And I think that's that was I think that's a small fraction to the big picture. I think we're back on track with camps, uh, workouts, teams. I think we had a great year of college football. All the high schools played. I think we're back on track. I don't I don't think football has taken a, a sort of a decrease in terms of talent development and, and player development across the country. I think it's in good shape. We're going to have a great draft in which I'm sure both of you guys will be in attendance in Vegas, and you'll see some some of our newest stars emerge and next thing you know we'll be looking at the next Patrick Mahomes or or Joe Barrows come out of there and I don't I don't think we'll miss a yeah. beat. Well who who's your draft pick? Who who do you think's the bright shining star of the next draft season? Okay, here's what I'm going to say and don't tell anybody Marjorie, okay? But I don't know. <laughs> I, I haven't followed these kids as much as I should have. <laughs> <laughs> once they get there you'll promote them really really well exactly <laughs> that's the plan don't tell anybody but i haven't really studied these high school kids at all i mean these college kids at all i really don't know so I, i'm sure that the clubs will find the right 
do their research and, and find a great player. But we, I know we have great players. I do know college football was at its highest peak, and it's a lot of players. But I just haven't followed them personally. I'm trying to. I'm, trying, I'm still trying to keep up with Joe Burrows. He was just out of college two years ago. <laughs> I you don't never know. It's like yeah. the Tom Brady. He was third round draft pick, right. and he was like, you know, 22 years in. So I, mean, I look. I was here when Tom was a freshman in college, so I'm showing my age now. I gotta. <laughs> I gotta say. <laughs> The 100% NFL players, all teams, everybody's officially COVID, vaccinated, boosted. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. so, okay, so we've ensured that all the teams are safe. Super Bowl, champions, oh, yeah. even into everything is good. Like we are ready to go and we have a really solid, not just Super Bowl, but we're ready to start a whole new season after oh. dropping everything, which is good. Right, right, right. I think we got in the We, The NFL and us, we really, really did a deeper dive this year because just ensuring that every corner was covered in terms of protection, making sure that the layers were stacked in terms of safety protocols, testing, health and safety procedures. If someone were to have contracted, you know, COVID, how to place them, what's keeping in in line with the CDC to ensure we were following the right guidelines and protecting other staff as well as other players, and once again, protecting their families. So we worked to the first year, we worked on a real comprehensive, detailed policy and protocol procedure. And this year, we just doubled down to ensure that, okay, let's make sure we add another layer on of protection. So we went back and forth with player involvement, player engagement, getting their thoughts and their experiences on what they had gone through and what their thoughts are in terms of protecting them. And then we implemented and got through the season. And uh, I think this happened because of the work of our members asking a thousand questions. I mean, one of the things that people take for granted is how engaged and how involved our players are. Now, don't get me wrong. They, they haven't tried to play doctor, even when we do have one doctor, the, the young man that plays offensive guard for the Kansas City Chiefs. He was helping in a lot of uh, medical emergency rooms. I forget his name. I'm having a moment. But he, he was doing a great job. But most of our players were asking a lot of good questions health. A lot of them have, uh, you know, family history backgrounds. They wanted to know how it would it impact, how would it impact weight, how would it would impact race. I mean, all these different things that they were asking and building information up so they can be aware and share with their families. And their families are also open to available to come on as well. So we try our best to answer any and every question through our medical consultant, Dr. Tom Mayer, who's unbelievable, fascinating, doctor in helping us and Sean Sansonbury, our medical on staff director and did an awesome job in just leading the way in this process. Excellent. When, and I love what you talk about is education and, you know, really communicating information in a like way that people can understand it. And one of the interesting things that you do is you're actually a professor over at Georgetown. So uh, maybe tell us a couple of things okay. that you advise your students. Like maybe what are your three top tips for, you know, running? I mean, if you think about it, this is one of the number one brands in the world and you're the guy who communicates information. So what are your key pieces of golden information? Well, one of them, I say, develop and build a good name for yourself as a good hard worker. OK, most of our young folks now and I will put you two in that category because you you guys are young, young people compared to me. But I'm just teasing. I wanted to say that stay keep a real good brand name for yourself. I mean, this today, since we're more visible than we ever been, make sure your branding is on point. Right. You can develop it at an early age. 
you don't have to be a celebrity to have a brand. You have to be a human being that, that has goals and aspirations to do something to build a brand. And that starts with how do you treat people, how you interact with people, do the work, right? Number two, build a network, you know, build a network, engage with people, introduce yourself. And I tell them most, particularly when they go on interviews for internships, one of the things the kids don't do enough is they're so nervous and they're so, and anxiety is so high, they forget to just smile, have a good time. People want to hire good people. You can find a resume. People don't hire resumes, they hire humans. And so you want to be able to present yourself in a very positive light. And I tell them all the time, obviously, you want to do the work. You want to do the assignments. But more importantly, find the right people to talk to, introduce yourself and engage and smile. Okay. And, and create a warm presence about yourself because people... In this day and age, people want to work with good people, right? <laughs> so that's one of the things I usually tell them. I mean, I can tell them about how to write a press release, how to pitch a letter, how to create PR kit. And all that stuff is fine, but it doesn't mean anything if you don't have those simple qualities about you. But I also love that you know, you're not just like you practice what you preach. You're not just teaching the classes to younger generations. Yeah. Taking that same basic principle as an adult to the players to get them ready for the after life of oh, yeah. So yeah. I love that, you know, you, you're hitting like, you know, we talked about the player symposium that we were looking at. It, it really is a player symposium. of How do you come back? And it starts at, because I think going into sports with a business sense of, like you said, smile, standpoint, know who you are, know your value, know your worth. I think it parlays to how you play on the field and then how you handle your business and who you are after as well, off the field. So I think it's important to have that skill set going into anything you do. Yeah, I was telling the players, one of my biggest advices to young players getting in the league, don't take the introduction to people in the business for granted. I say for every person you meet, ask for a business card, collect business cards, because as you move through your career, right, whether it's four years, whether it's 10 years, you want to establish relationships with these people because at some point your career will be over. And the one thing they will remember is Carl Francis was a nice guy. I remember when he played with the Giants. He was a great guy. And you want to be able to say after a commercial shoot or after you do a personal appearance, a player appearance, you want to say, hey, thank you very much for the opportunity. Let me know whenever I can work with you guys again. Little stuff like that goes a long way because you know, there are so many other people who are, you know, difficult to deal with from other sports. And, and some of them can can have a list of, you know, a lot of players to choose from other sports, but they'll remember you because of how you made them feel. And so you want to make sure you get a business card from them. If you can email them, thank you. Thank them for inviting you, asking you to participate. And I tell them, I say, you can make a lot of money just off the field on that and create a job opportunity for yourself when you finish as well. Yeah, no, I think it's amazing. Let's, I want to touch a little bit about, you know, the branding, because I know a lot of these players are getting endorsements. You got yeah. the brand, and I feel like, I know things are messy for about a good two years now, but I feel like the brands are looking more at that authentic, the guys that went out of their way to get back in the streets to help the communities on their own. I feel like that's the story you want to put your money. Like you said, we don't hire a resume. We hire the person. As a major sponsor, I want to hire the leadership, the brand of, the DNA of the player that represents the humanity, the giving back, the community. Are you seeing a shift in sponsor endorsements and what these athletes and who they're aligning with and who's going after them? Yes, because of what you mentioned. 
like some of the elite athletes are not getting brands because they can't shift and they can't connect with the brand's audience. These are audience connectors. You, you're doing, this is human connection here, right? And brands want people who make their audience, make their customers feel good, and feel connected, right? And that comes with a smile, being on time to a shoot, introducing yourself to everybody on the shoot, being able to be flexible with people on the shoot. Sometimes, and you think about it, you know, on some of these shoots, there are a lot of different pieces that come along with it, right? And some of these shoots are very extensive. Some of them are true movie projects. So it may take three hours to get done for a commercial. But what's your personality? Are you going to sit there like I have somewhere to go? Are you going to sit there and understand and say they want to make this perfect? And if it's perfect, then it actually benefits me as well because it puts me in a better light. And so those are the people that brands and companies want to attach themselves to. And they may not necessarily be the biggest name on that team, but they have the biggest personalities. They have the biggest characters on the team that can bring integrity and bring a good connection with their audience to their company or brand. Yeah, but it's also like, I think the whole thing, egos have shifted. We, you know, we don't have, I mean, everybody has an ego. I mean, obviously, look, look at Tom Brady. It's Tom Brady, enough said on that. But I think- the, Oh, no, 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 no. Tom, no great. He's off the record. He, he, he can't he's be- He's not terrible. Let me just be honest. Tom Brady or not. You are who you are. You're going to know how good you are. You're worth, you're going to have an ego. I mean, I, I've seen some of these players, like you said, so authentic, so real. It was a draft like seven years ago in Phoenix. And then there was the ones that were just, it is what it is. Like they're, they're too good to talk to people. But I think right now, brands hurt. Everybody was hurting. They've got to get back into their fan base. And when it comes to branding, the brand loyalty is knowing the story behind the story. So if you're authentic, you're relatable. You have that story. You emulate that brand's DNA characteristics. That's where I think the brands are looking for those people. It's not so much the titles anymore. It's the human beings of what they stand for. So I, I'm seeing brand shift in players as well because they all want to be part of the NFL. We get that. It's family. But where they're putting their money around that individual is kind of like we used to joke around like the Shark Tank, right? Because I've seen a few athletes on there, you know, <laughs> trying to get their thing on. and Nobody's investing in companies and resumes. They're investing in aquafunny, the person, the human being that they know is solid, that can walk to walk and believes in the purpose. They have intent and purpose to be there. And I think with the brand, they're going to go to the players' endorsements who have a purpose and intent to do good. And I think that's where we're seeing more of that now than we did two and a half years ago. Yeah, I think that's always the goals and objectives of, of companies and businesses. And you can use Tom, for instance. I mean, are we allowed? Know, are we allowed to talk? I, Mags, I don't know. Are we allowed to talk about Tom? No, no, no. Good things about Tom. We're allowed right. to talk about Tom. Exactly. I was going to say that. I was going to say Marjorie's okay. You say all things positive about Tom, which this was going to be a positive. Yes. If you watch Tom in most of his interviews, Tom comes across as a relatable guy, laid back guy. He comes across as with a kind of a warm heart in terms of, you know, doesn't take himself too seriously. He's but a family he, man, which also. Right. But, but, but think about it. I mean, he has the right to be arrogant. He has the right to be this overconfident guy because he's overcome a lot. Right. So it's okay. As long as you have a humanistic side to yourself too, where you make people feel as though you care. Tom does a lot in the community. I'm sure that he doesn't even announce this. But when you see him on, commercials. He's always smiling. Whenever you see him, 
in public. You know, he's always on in terms of engagement. And let me tell you, one thing the public don't understand this is a very hard thing to do. It's one of the hardest things you can ever do because Sarah, Marjorie, we all have our bad days. When we have bad days and we go out in public, people don't know. When Tom Brady goes out, he can't have a bad day. He's always on because he might find a Sarah that might say, hey, Tom, can I meet? And can I take a picture? And, you know, and it's like, I may not want to take a picture right now. But Tom finds a way to make that person feel as though for that day, you, you I'm connecting with you. And that's a hard thing to do. And you can tell by the way he carries himself, the type of deals he does. You can see it on his Instagram accounts. And I'm sure Marjorie loves the banter between him and uh, Gronkowski, how they do commercials. And Tom, he laughs at himself, you know. And so but that's when you talk about branding. That's what I'm talking about. I think I think the good thing about that is, too, is that we see a lot of players, a lot of coaches, owners, everybody. They're on their phone. They're so busy. Tom and some of these other guys that are out there, they are grounded where their feet are. They are where their feet are. They are fully present. Phones down. It's all about you. And I always had this big thing because you know, I've had a few conversations with Scott O'Neill over at the Sixers and, and his book just came out of, you know, be where your feet are. It's all about intent and purpose. And what I love about what some of these sports guys are talking about, which is why I always believed it with my mantra, always leave someone better when you walk away than when you met them, whether a meeting, a fan on the street, team meetings, always leave them better, feeling better when you walk away than when you met them. And I, I see more of that in some of these higher profile, like the Tom Brady's of the world and stuff. It, like you said, you could be arrogant without being egotistical. Yeah. Leave somebody better when you walk away than when you first walked up to them. To me, that's the key. And I think you see that more and more with some of the Tom Brady's in the world out there. Because you think about, let's sit down and think about how many people Tom Brady has met over the course of his career. You know, that's a lot of people. And when you think about everybody who meets him, want this automatic connection with Tom as as if Tom is going to remember your name and invite you to his next cocktail party in his house. Like Tom meets people all the time. Right. You got I mean, just think about how many teammates. OK, that he has had over 22 years. I mean, think just just dig deep. And the guy that was came in or drafted with him at the Patriots probably is walking around saying Tom's my guy. And Tom's never seen this guy in 22 years, but if you see Tom, Tom's supposed to stop and say, oh, Carl, how are you, buddy? How are you doing? But it's like, man, I haven't seen your twins. But it's but that's Tom, though. But Tom will is a type of guy that will take the time to say, we came in together. I remember you. Yeah, because the unique thing about Tom, which I like this conversation is, Tom knows how it feels. Tom wasn't invited to the draft. Tom never had a chance to shake the commissioner's hand. Tom had to wait till day two or three in order to get his name called. So he knows how that feels being in the back of the line waiting for your turn. And I think during that period where he was in the back of the line, it started to really build his character as what type of player, what type of person he was going to be if he ever got the chance. And I think he's always stuck with that and remember that. That's why I'm a fan, because I love how he came up and never forgot his journey of what got him here. And I think that's been very positive. Nobody's one of the all too big to remember and make them feel good. We got to remember yeah. every day no. who we are and who we're talking to. Everybody is important. Everybody has something going on in their life we may, may not know about. We've got to understand everybody has layers of stuff and to put on that smile to constantly be on, make everybody feel good. To put yourself second is such a selfless 
act of leadership in my mind. That's right. That's right. I mean, I think one of the things I loved is when he started, he was like, I want to learn the playbook. I'm not going out partying. I'm going to learn the game. And I think that goes back to the education thing we were talking about before is, can you tell us about some of the strategies like the NFL uses to really engage the players. I mean, you just have these young guys coming in and they're in their twenties and they're like, here's a huge check. How do you engage them in this methodology of learning the game, understanding the game, understanding how the team plays really uh, what kind of education do you have for them when they start? Well, most of our education comes in the form of being a professional athlete. And you say, well, what is that? That means running around. That means throwing the ball. No, that means, how you become a professional, because you got to remember, they're no different than a recent college graduate, you know, getting their first job. It's just having to play football and they're not ready to be a professional. They need to learn how to sit in a meeting. They know they know how to take notes. They need to know how to interact and engage with colleagues. And I think all of those things play a tremendous part. And one of the things that we do, we hold seminars and we hold symposiums with each team and their rookies to talk about programs that we have, like mental wellness programs. We have law enforcement that comes in, talk about how to protect yourself in the community. We also have financial education, which is a big piece. And we talk about the do's and don'ts of just being a professional. Marketing, how do you use social media tools? How can you use them to hurt yourself and how can you help yourself? And all the different layers of resources we have in place, particularly during all season. If you've ever want, if you're a communications major and you want to continue your communications courses, we have a broadcast boot camp during the summer that, that we offer. If you want to go back to school, you can, you can go back to school. You get your education paid for. I just got a call two weeks ago. It's the funniest thing from a rookie that was asking me about continuing education because he wanted to now get in with the Notre Dame and he wanted to get his MBA. And this is a rookie. See, those are the type of things that drive our league and make our league good. Because it's those conversations that, that we have during the course of the season that helps those guys. Guys want to buy houses, right? How do I buy that? You know, what should I do? Guys want to buy cars. What's the best way to, to approach that, right? Is it to go out and spend, if you're making $200,000 and you go, buy, go out and buy a $500,000 car, right? No, you do X, Y, and Z. And so we don't tell them what to do, but we educate them on ways to look at doing it a little differently. I also love that if you get to Marjorie's point, it's not about you know, the education, about the money, the cars. It's the love of the game. Oh, absolutely. Really the love of the game and be part of the National Family League, no matter which one you're part of. But let, you know, it's, it's almost game time. And let's talk NFL and Super Bowl. We got the Bengals. We got the Rams. Cooper Cup is like literally the top guy on running over 27 yards. Longest reception. All the bets are over unders like let's talk about these like it's a little bit of pressure you're not just in Super Bowl but you are one of the top players that all oh, the sport betting guys that everybody's putting their money down on like that pressure in front of billions of people cameras has got to be a little intense right now I mean how are the players doing for Super Bowl LA stuff everything is so hot and new right now and it keeps like on everybody's radar like I, I, you, I know you're not saying, guys, let's do yoga and breathe through it. How are the Bengals and the Rams handling this right now? I would suggest, I, I would think. I'll that suggest yoga. You suggest yoga? No, I said to suggest yoga. <laughs> okay. okay. <laughs> but I would say that they're anxious, they're excited, they're first timers. 
And that's going to be the trick. The trick is how do you manage the expectation of being on this stage with getting your mind in a place where it's just like another game, right? So that's one. Two, you look at it like, how do you manage everybody else around you having the excitement, not knowing that, look, I still got to play football. You guys are party planning, dinner planning, you know, talking to your friends. Everybody wants an autograph and a picture before the game where it's like, knock, knock, I have to win this game, right? (laughs) I'm just not going. This is not a vacation for me. I'm not going as a fan. I'm going as a starting quarterback for the Cincinnati Bengals, and I have to win. That's my job. And so there's the balance of how can everybody maneuver through that? And everybody is figuring it out in their own way, you know, because of the personality. You got Jamar Chase. He's a rookie. He's like one of the top wide receivers in the league, number one for Cincinnati, but he's a rookie. I mean, he was in college two years ago. He set out last year. He wasn't even in football. But here he is on the biggest stage in in your play. Now, how do you manage mom, dad, your little cousin, little brother, got all the family members knocking on the door, want to take a picture? He's like, okay, you know, talk to me next week, two weeks from now. Then I'll I'll talk to you. But it's like he's trying to manage. And you got ticket requests. Your mom's coming. So you got to sign somebody that, hey, mom, dad, you take the tickets. All right. Mom and dad, you, you, you take people coming by the house. And sometimes you got to just isolate and tell all your family members, I'll see you guys in two weeks. I got to win this game. Once two weeks is over, I'll come and say hello. And I think the focus comes from which team that has the most mature and focused guys that know how to manage through. And it doesn't mean it just applies to first and second year guys, because some guys have been in the league for eight or nine years and never been. So this is new for them. So this is no different than being in the league one or two. Super Bowl is a totally different party than playing an NFL game. Totally different experience. But the thing is, my thing with Super Bowl is, and I don't want to get too far because I'm running out of time, is the financial landscape is now being more, lots more focuses on the NFL financial landscape with the Super Bowl this year on the matchups. They're saying players that were acquired by trade or in free agency, tremendous impact right now. The Super Bowl, for some reason, has so much running on it more than ever. But now they're saying rookies weren't given the consideration because of their salaries aren't a function of their draft position. So now they're readjusting rookie wage scales and that shouldn't affect a player and a team effort, but they're putting the collective agreements are putting so much pressure on this year's Super Bowl moving in the draft. If you're a legacy player, you're good. But if you're a rookie, it's almost like they're making it harder for them to get into, to get drafted and everything. I mean, are you seeing, you're, you're an NFL PA. I, you know, this is an NFL, it's NFL PA, but are you feeling and seeing that shift right now within the players and the mindset and how things are running. They just, they're football players. Yeah. They're playing football since six years old. I just want to make a team. I want to play in my first NFL game and I want to go to the Super Bowl and win. When you strip away all of that stuff, they don't, players don't think about that stuff. Players just think about winning, creating a family, camaraderie, and within my team and going to the Super Bowl and winning. No players thinking about any of that. He is totally blind to any of that. That's that's the media, the newspapers, people, and they they just want to win. That's basic. That's very basic. Sometimes the you know media can sometimes create an illusion of what this game is about. But when you dig deep inside, it's no different than the little boys you see on Saturday morning playing football over there in the field in the park. It's a kid's game. It just happened to have a lot more money around it. But the players who are actually playing within the confines of the game. Same game, and they just like to have fun. Yeah, it's like do what you love, and it's you'll never work a day in your life. Everything else will work itself out. Enjoy the game because it's short lived, and uh, you'll never get that feeling again 
of just being a part of a team and winning and that whole environment of being in a locker room. But then there's always post-Super Bowl. Stafford's pretty much saying that he's the highest league player in history. Super Bowl is going to determine a lot of future for a lot of these players. But it's going to be a good game. So I'm going to ask you a really hard question. Yeah. Taking a side or you stay neutral on this one? I don't, you know what's so funny? I, I'm not, I've been so removed. I worked for the Redskins early in my career. I mean, not the Redskins, but they were the Redskins then. Now the Washington Commodores. But but I just I like watching good football, man. I just don't want a bad game. And this is not a political answer. I'm, I'm just being honest with you. I don't, I've been in the business so long. I don't really ride on one side or another. I just like matchups. I want a good football game. I don't want to blow out. And I want a game just like these, just like these conference championship games last week. I want a great game. Just like you guys want. Yeah, no, 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 no. Well, Marjorie, y'all know you, you're, you're, you're sitting this one out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I have my teams. But yeah, like, I know that, Sarah, you, you're LA, Sarah. No, but you know what, though? It's, I do like to be, you know, I, I have, you, we went down this last time in our last podcast. I got my five teams. I got my five teams. But, I, you know, I, with me, unfortunately, this is going to suck. My loyalty is my personal relationships because sometimes I'm on the side of the rookie, not because of the game, because I personally know a CEO, a coach. And I, it's always about being everybody's cheerleader when they need me to be their cheerleader. I don't know if I'm on the Ram side I honestly, I, I probably am, but it's really funny because um, I'm going to shift off the football to basketball because Marjorie and I are going to a Clippers-Lakers game tonight. And I'm literally, and, and I am a Clippers girl, but when there's certain teams that come to town, I'm always a Mavs girl because of Cuban, was always a Sixers girl because of O'Neal, always a Suns fan because I'm from Phoenix. When we did the Dodgers-Suns game, everybody booed the Suns, but I'm an AZ girl. I'm always going to take the team I have an affinity to, but Tonight's rival match to the Super Bowl. We're in our hometown. We have Lakers and Clippers. I'm wearing my Clippers shirt. I don't know if Mads is going to be on the Lakers or the Clippers side of this tonight, but like sometimes when you're still, where I'll be. gotta know who to root oh. for. I can't I'm a Boston time. crowd. I'm going to a game. I'm gonna she, enjoy the athletes. She's just gonna <laughs> hang out. She's waiting for the Celtics to come. She don't oh know. shit. You know what's so funny? Because I think we're um, I think we're hitting the um the Knicks Clippers game in like March, but it's like, I never pick a side, but I do when it comes to certain teams, I'm going to pick the underdog because I feel like they, everybody needs a cheerleader. Everybody needs yeah. support. And I don't like when everybody's cheering on one side, booing the other. I was like, you know what the hell? You can't even throw a fucking free throw. <laughs> you can't throw past 20 years. You can't even run the length of a football field in the Spartan. You should not judge. You should go with whoever needs the support. That's just my, but you know what? At eight o'clock tonight, and we're on eight thirty. Check in with me because I may have a whole difference of opinion based on the NBA game tonight. But <laughs> I'm like, you haven't ran, thrown the ball. You haven't been tackled, taking somebody out. So unless you're an athlete in sports, do not pick a side and boo the other unless you were in those shoes and you could do a better job. So I'm always going to root for who needs a better cheerleader. I agree. I agree. And I'm wearing my Clippers t-shirt tonight, Marjorie Day. I couldn't say it better. I tell you what, for you to be a Clippers fan, you are you understand the definition of being a fan, that's for sure. Well, get fun of me. Why aren't you a Lakers fan? Because I'm a Clippers girl. Yeah. Unless somebody I don't like, then I'm a Lakers girl. But no, I like, you know what? Everybody deserves a break. Everybody picks a team. Everybody, the grass is always greener. I'm gonna go with who needs a better cheerleader. That's my political statement. Oh, that's so nice. 
Yeah, but it always starts young. It's like my son yeah. is a Lakers fan. I do not know how this happened. We'll break it. We'll break it. Riker loves the Lakers. He's all about the Lakers. You got to like, figure out how to get him into a Boston Boston Celtics journey. I know. Yeah. It's it's wrong. <laughs> so, so this is so funny because I'm a NFL fan. Any team that plays Baltimore is my team, no matter who they are, because I hate Baltimore. This is not going to be a, any team is a bad team. But Boston, Max, we're going to have to break this little streak tonight. <laughs> What's the hatred of Baltimore? I'm like, that's very oh, specific. It's <laughs> really funny. I've never liked, okay, whatever reasons. No, I don't care. I, I'm always, any team that plays Baltimore is my team. Yeah, the Boston, New York thing, you understand, but Baltimore? <laughs> you know, Where's Baltimore's this coming from? Arizona. She's from Arizona. I'm Arizona. How does that come? How does that happen? I, you know what? I was actually not always a Cards fan. Just, you know, I mean, I know the family is just so, I mean, you know, but I grew up in AZ, what was in everything. So, I mean, I used to sit courtside with Nelson Benjamin, Brian Colangelo's kids when Larry Bird and Walter Davis played. I mean, I grew up in high school sitting courtside. I, you know, I worked and helped launch Coyote with Sean Hunter first year NHL ever went to Stanley Cup inaugural year. The Diamondbacks, I've always had a sports affinity to my teams. And as much as everybody hates the Diamondbacks, or the Suns, this is my home team. They're my boys. You always go with who needs the support. I don't know where Baltimore came from, Mags, but I'm never a Baltimore. I'm never a certain fan of the Ravens. But this is a whole other conversation. <laughs> a whole other conversation. But no, oh my God, it was so good having you back on, Carl. I know I've been on you for a bit to come back on and talk about. You know, I had a good time. We started last year with you, and it's a good time to get you back on. I know you got draft. You got a lot going on. Yeah. I'm so excited to see what comes out of draft with you. Hopefully we'll, um, we'll see you guys at draft. Yeah. Hopefully you guys should make your way down there. Matt. I know. And I know things have shifted like Super Bowl. A lot of NFL events have been pulled off just because safe is better than anything, but we're looking forward to seeing everybody at draft. And then yep. it's good to have you back on as we get through camp and start again next season. Thank you. I, think I look forward to it. Such Let's do it. And athletes. You know, let's do it. Let's do it again. It's I think, great. I thank you for coming on. I know you're heading out here to LA. Have a safe trip. Good luck. Super Bowl. And we will catch up to you at draft. All right. You take care. Thank so, you so okay, much. So Sarah Miller, Marjorie DeHay with Carl Francis at NFL PA. And we'll see everybody next week. Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Media Mavens podcast. If you don't want to miss an episode or want to download past episodes, Be sure to subscribe to the Media Mavens podcast on your favorite podcast provider. To learn more about the podcast or our guests, please visit MediaMavensPodcast.com. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.